6.30, I was in the bath and I had my phone with me and I started to slur my words. So I picked up the phone and I started recording me and I recorded me having stroke. And I realized that I was having a stroke and I started to cry and I was slurring my words and everything. And so I had my daughter try to lift me out of the bathtub and then she called my ex-husband who came to the house because she didn't know who else to call and he rushed me over to Sutter Memorial and then they they rushed me in to have a CT scan and an MRI and I remember my daughter and husband looking very worried so then they told him to go home and they were going to admit me over the night and then they did another MRI the next day and they found that I had an ischemic stroke that affected the putamen side and the left side. And that was all of my cognitive side. I had like five hours of therapy per day. It's like most of your days. So they, they have like occupational therapy and then physical therapy and then speech. And then they have occupational therapy again and physical therapy and then speech. So I had various doctors. I also did a lot of medical procedures. They wanted to make sure the bleeding in my brain had stopped. So they did another CT and MRI. The speech, I wanted to go back to work. So I wanted to make sure that my speech was okay because I, I work with the public. Every day is recovery and they need to know that the hard work that you put into it, it's gonna have a high yield. And I think that that's really important to remember because there are some stroke victims that are making gains three years from their stroke. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. One of the leading risk factors for having a stroke is diabetes. For those who have the condition, they are twice as likely to suffer a stroke. People who are pre-diabetic are also at a higher risk. High levels of sugar in your blood can damage your blood vessels and make them stiffer and narrowed. In this episode, we'll hear from Christy Wells Artman from Sacramento, California, who suffered a stroke at the age of 53. I was into running. I was full of life. I was a busy principal and I had just gone through a divorce and found a new love. I was just busy, just full of life. At three o'clock, I was coming back from Tahoe and I was in the car and my boyfriend, Tim, was driving. And I looked at him and I started to slur my words. And I thought I was being really clear, but he goes, whoa, you're slurring your words. Are you having a stroke? And he was like, kidding? but not kidding. And I'm like, no, I'm not. So I looked in the mirror and I didn't have any slurring physically on my face. And I go, it must be the altitude because I was yawning quite a bit. And I thought maybe it was the altitude, you know, cause we were coming back and it was snowing. So then I just kind of like slapped my face and I'm like, no, I think I'm okay. And he goes, okay. Cause you were really slurring your words. And I remember feeling a little funny, but then I snapped out of it. So we carried on. We went shopping. We went to go meet his sister. And then I drove to Lodi, which is about 30 miles away from Elk Grove. And I got my car and I drove back and I was fine. So Tim said, you know, maybe you want to call your doctor. 
So I said, okay. So I called my doctor and I said, you know, I was feeling this way, but I, I think it was just at altitude. And she goes, well, maybe she goes, but let's come in and, and make an appointment. And I said, well, I'm going to see you February 7th anyway. So I'll just wait till then. And she goes, okay, that's fine. So then later that night, about 6.30, I was in the bath and I had my phone with me and I started to slur my words. So I picked up the phone and I started recording me and I recorded me having stroke. And I realized that I was having a stroke and I started to cry and I was slurring my words and everything. And so I had my daughter try to lift me out of the bathtub and then she called my ex-husband who came to the house because she didn't know who else to call. He rushed me over to Sutter Memorial. And I had a team of doctors leading me through, having me point, having me rest one arm on the other, all the things that they do for stroke. They took blood and then they, they rushed me in to have a CT scan and an MRI. And I remember my daughter and husband looking very worried. So then they told him to go home and they were going to admit me over the night. And then they did another MRI the next day and they found that I had an ischemic stroke that affected the putamen side and the left side. And that was all of my cognitive side. And then I lost my speech. And so they moved me to rehab and because you can't have COVID visitors during rehab, and I took a COVID test, I was negative. It really forced me to kind of rely on myself and get myself well. And so I regained my speech about a week later, and I started to walk around, um, didn't need assistance. And then two weeks, I started to run again, and they were surprised I made a fast recovery but I just kept at it. The speech I'm still taking, but as far as like the occupational therapy and the physical therapy, I'm done with that. So it's been an okay recovery. It's just been really hard because I've noticed that I've been depressed and that might be because how I'm feeling about my face. Even though everybody says, oh no, you look great. It's still a feeling that you have inside and I prided myself on my face, and that's a little hard to deal with. There's still little things inward that I feel I need help with, and so like going to a diabetic class, because mine was from diabetes, and I took a diabetes test in July last year, and they said I was pre-diabetic. So I made that appointment, like I said, February 7th, and they wanted me to see if I could lose weight and run. So that's why I took on running. I was trying to get my A1Cs um, levels down. And when I had the stroke, my A1C levels were 11.5, which is really high. And my sugars were at 333 to 500. So I was on the brink of like death. And so they did insulin shots. They also got me on Lipitor for cholesterol because the high diabetes affects the triglycerides. What I noticed was when they got my diabetes under control, then I went to glupicide, which is a medicine form of it. And so I was able to take that. And so I'm on six different meds now and that's okay. I haven't had any side effects or anything. So that's been good but I'm going to go next week to see what my A1C levels are 
and check my sugars, but I know they'll be good because I check every day. But that was really what caused it. And so my goal is I don't want to have another stroke again. So I'm doing everything I can to make sure that I don't. While in hospital, Christy went through intense physiotherapy. I had like five hours of therapy per day. It's like most of your days. So they they have like occupational therapy and then physical therapy and then speech. And then they have occupational therapy again and physical therapy and then speech. So I had various doctors. I also did a lot of medical procedures. They wanted to make sure the bleeding in my brain had stopped. So they did another CT and MRI. The speech, I wanted to go back to work. So I wanted to make sure that my speech was okay because I I work with the public and we're just starting school Thursday. So kids are now coming back to school because we're down to the orange. So that's been kind of a stress release. I also noticed that I've learned like if my brain gets tired, I'll yawn a lot. And so at first I was like attributing that to stroke and that kind of freaked me out. But they said, no, 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 that's your brain healing and your sleep is really important. So that was one thing that I did a lot of was sleep in the beginning. And then now I'm like to 10 hours a day. So if I get tired, I know that. Or if I get tired in my office, I'll shut my eyes for five minutes and just relax my brain and then get back on it again. So my team knows that about me. They also know if if I can't remember something, I'll say, hold on, I'm, I'm remembering something. And then it'll come to me and then I'll repeat the word. And then I also like take notes um, and repeat it back to them. Those are things I learned from speech. So I'm applying all the things I learned from physical therapy and occupational therapy and speech and applying it to my everyday life. So that was invaluable from therapies I got because I don't want the stroke to happen again. One of the things I learned from speech was when you read Dr. Seuss books, you learn automaticity and inflection. And one of the other big ahas was um, music. I heard a song by ELO and I was like, that's ELO. And I was always a musical person. And so I would play the keyboard. And so I started doing that with my fingers and I could feel that in my brain. And I was humming. I didn't know the words yet, but I was humming. I was familiar with the the music. And then so I listened to the ELO album because it's one of my favorite bands. And I just was just so happy to recognize music again. And then there's things about my brain that are different. Before the stroke, I used to have white noise that I would hear tinnitus. And I don't have that anymore. So it's weird. So that kind of fixed itself. Cognitive things, I can remember long-term things, short-term things, not all the time, or I'll stutter a little bit. And so I just remember that and I get brain exposures. And I learned that from my IEPs at, at work, which are individual education plans for kids who have special needs. And so I took the information that I got from speech and just applied it to me. And that was reading the Dr. Seuss books. It teaches words, simple words that are high frequency words to get that back into your brain. Although she was an active person, Christy's high blood sugar levels had put her at risk of having a stroke. Coming up, Christy on adapting how she interacts with her colleagues. I created Google Docs for them 
to just say, I'm going to get back to you. This is what we talked about on this date. And this is what I have in my notes. So it, it, a, it reminds me, um, and I have like a working um, journal and then it reminds them as well. So those are like little things I've been doing that take a lot of time, but it's good for me and good for them. And receiving treatment for post-stroke depression. They've given me a mild antidepressant and then I've been going to a, a counselor and then also working with a stroke um, victim. So that's, that's turned around. I'm gonna stay on the antidepressant because I think that also helps with work and everyday life. But that was something I have never felt before. Let's hear how Christy's stroke affected her return to work. It's been hard. You want to prove yourself. And so you try to do everything right, but you can't. And so I had to throw that out the window. And I just told my team, look, I've had a brain injury and there's going to be times where I may not remember everything, but just remind me because, you know, my team of teachers, they can be really tough on you, especially principal. And so I just told them that everybody's been really nice, but I just want them to know that, you know, I'm trying really hard, but um, there's going to be some things that I might forget or not do as well. Just remind me. I created Google Docs for them to just say, I'm going to get back to you. This is what we talked about on this date. And this is what I have in my notes. So it, it, A, it reminds me um, and I have like a working um, journal and then it reminds them as well. So those are like little things I've been doing that take a lot of time, but it's good for me and good for them. I'm reading all about strokes. I've gotten some great books on strokes that, that have been by authors that have had them. And so I've been like building my repertoire. I even got a tattoo of my ischemic stroke on my right side. So it's a reminder for me because it, it is a near-death experience if you think about it, but it changes who you are. It changes like how you view life. And now I find that I, I like to enjoy things and taking more time with my daughter. So it, it kind of gives you a renewal on life as well. And I think that's a, that's a good way to look at it. And then I read that there are things that stroke survivors do um, that make a difference. One of them is having a good outlook on life, following a, a religion or a faith, which I don't do. And then also finding something positive to do. So with that said, I'm going back to my stroke neurologist and I asked him if I can, because I'm, I'm now inoculated, I'm clear. Um, that's the other thing too, is, is with the COVID, I'm telling stroke patients, it's okay to get inoculated, you're gonna be fine. So I wanna go back and I wanna work with other victims to help them out. And so that's kind of my way of, of paying it forward through adversity. So that's something that I'm going to be doing with my neurologist to work with other victims. Christy's stroke had a considerable impact on her mental health. They've given me a mild antidepressant and then I've been going to a, a counselor and then also working with a stroke um, victim. So that's, that's turned around. I'm going to stay on the antidepressant because I think that also helps with work and everyday life. But that was something I have never felt before. And they told me that that's a common thing that stroke victims feel. So I decided to embrace it and just say, okay, what's going on? 
and then tackle it. Because I mean, it affected me where I thought my boyfriend wouldn't like me anymore. I just felt like people wouldn't like me anymore. And I thought that's, that's stinking thinking. So I need to um, get a handle on this. And that was part of me feeling like the stroke had affected me physically. And that really does something to your brain. And I can't explain it to anyone who's never had a stroke, but stroke survivors totally get it because it's a common thing. I think getting help is really important. And I would tell anybody that it's no joke and your depression is part of your healing. So you can take the feelings of sadness and turn them into good. And so I believe that you can tackle it with the right people. And, you know, it's, it's, it's shopping for counselors. I had one counselor that I didn't feel. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I have to let you go. I'm just not feeling it. And I found another counselor where we had more of a, of a, of a relationship. So you have to kind of shop around and not give up on that. But I feel that that is a big part of surviving a stroke is, is handling um, depression. I still exercise very frequently, especially like walking and running. I'm doing weights now to regain strength, but also to keep me toned. And I think physical fitness is, is part of that. It also alleviates um, the depression as well. I think stroke victims have to read up. If they can read or have somebody read to them, there's a lot of information out there. And you have to read about that because there's all kinds of different strokes for different folks. And so I've learned a lot about strokes as well. And I think like my grandmother had them and she was also diabetes in her um, elder years. And so those are just like things that I, I think about. And I think that it's important that victims know that it also helps us educate non-stroke um, victims so they know what to do. It educated my parents because they were caretakers of me when I got released. And now I feel comfortable to go into my house. I mean, walking the stairs, that was kind of weird for me because of my coordination. And so now I handle the stairs fine. But in the beginning, I didn't. So you just have to take steps every day. And then there's new things that I'm doing. Like the other day, I tied my shoes, you know, and they're like big celebrations. But to everybody else, it's like, okay, you tied your shoe, you know, because they don't understand or you put your makeup on with your affected hand and they just don't get it. But they're like milestones for a stroke victim. Christy is determined to use her experiences to educate others about stroke. I am going to educate other principals because I think the principal job is very stressful. I just want them to know that if you're pre-diabetic, don't ignore that at all get what you need because I think that that's what affected mine or anything like cholesterol, high blood pressure. Those are the factors of stroke and just educating others what to look for, like the fast. So they know about that and just because it can happen to anyone at any age. And I mean, it helped, it happened to me and I'm healthy, but because I'm healthy, I think that that helped me with um, recovery. But every day, it's recovery and it's going to continue to be recovery because I mean, I could have one again. Also, I educated my staff what to look for just in case they have. And then I also got a SOS. I have a bracelet that I wear medical 
I um, set up an SOS with everybody on my family. And if I talk to them and, and text them stroke, they know what to do in steps. So no matter where I'm at, they know where I'm going to be. And I also like have a, a pinpoint on my cell phone so they can find me and locate me. Those are just things that I had to set up to do. And I think that having like a toolkit for victims is really important, but also a toolkit for non-victims that are spending their lives on a daily basis with a stroke um, survivor because they also need to know too. So I think it educates and I'm in education. You know, I do education every day on, on kids and I have to educate everybody around me about stroke. I think patience is really important. I think for caregivers, they don't have the patience because they want you to be fixed because A, they, they want their lives to be normal. So that's really hard. Also to stroke victims have patience because, you know, doctors will tell stroke victims, oh, it's the first three months is your recovery. And then your brain slows down. And there is some truth to that, but also every day is recovery. And they need to know that the hard work that you put into it it's going to have a high yield. And I think that that's really important to remember because there are some stroke victims that are making gains three years from their stroke. And so they need to know that. They also need to prepare themselves for if they have another stroke because that is inevitable. It could happen or it could not happen. And they need to have a plan of action in place for those non-survivors because they know what to do as, as caregivers. So that would be the advice that I would give is just have patience with yourself, have grace with yourself and be tenacious. Don't give up because you do make gains. Although Christy's stroke changed her life, she's persevered in adapting her work and lifestyle to make sure she still gets the most out of every day. Coming up, in the next episode of Stroke Stories. I started like mumbling and slurring my words and I just felt myself going completely unconscious. And that's the last thing I remember from what happened. The next thing I know, I woke up and I was in the hospital and there was like doctors all over me, putting me in the machines to do the CAT scans and all that stuff with my brain. And I heard one of the doctors say, oh, she had, she's having a stroke or she had a stroke. I still didn't clearly understand what was happening to me at the time until maybe a few days later. Please do subscribe to our podcast and rate and comment on the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please do contact via our DMs on Twitter or Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. <laughs>